It's good to be here today, Eric. Um, do I look different to you on this uh, particular Wednesday? No. I don't look older? Not at all. <laughs> you look just as youthful and vibrant as ever. As I did last week. That's right. It was my birthday on Monday, so and thought maybe I'd look older. No. No. Still looking good. Great. So, and <laughs> and I, I think I wished you a happy birthday before, but let me do it on the show as well. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. 37. Getting old. Ah, oh, 37 is not <laughs> old at all. Um, Yeah, we had a blast. And part of my, I've kind of been celebrating since Thursday. So, uh, and then my birthday was on Monday. So I'm kind of getting my energy back still. But one of the fun things that I got to do over my birthday weekend um, was I got to MC for Puget Sound Dock Dogs up at the Skagit River Salmon Festival on Saturday. That was up at the Swinomish Casino and Lodge. And um, it was so fun. I, I did an event for them last summer also at Bite of Seattle. And I'm going to be at Issaquah Salmon Days with them on October 4th and 5th again um, this year, so in just under a month now. So Issaquah Salmon Days is an um, annual event that happens in Issaquah, which is east of Seattle, just about 30 or 40 minutes. And uh, they have a whole bunch of stuff going on, including Puget Sound Dock Dogs. They set up their pool and their dock and the dogs do their thing. The website is salmondays.org if you want to find out more about Issaquah Salmon Days. But definitely come down and check out the dock diving. It's so fun to watch. And one of the things that is that I enjoy most about emceeing for them is that when the dogs don't just get up there, like usually the newer dogs, because they're kind of like, uh, you want me to jump off of what, you know? Like they're, maybe it's their first time doing it and they don't, have never jumped off a dock before or something like that. So they're not just going to go and do it. There's definitely a process involved for a lot of dogs, um, you know, their first few tries at it. And a couple times these dogs went up and like, so there's a, a, a long, it's like a 40 foot dock and then a big pool that they set up like 40 foot probably, I think, at least a 40-foot pool as well. And uh, the world record is 31 feet for the long jump, which is called big air. So it's not likely that somebody's going to come along and break that by, you know, nine feet and jump out the back of the pool. So it's pretty long. And so there's the they jump into the water, they go out and retrieve whatever the ball or whatever toy it is, and then they come, and then there's a ramp that they don't have access to from the dock. So, but if you walk out to the end of dock and sort of look past the partition, you can see the ramp coming up from the water so that the dog can get out of the water. Well, some of the dogs that are new, they, you know, they're up up at the end of the dock with their owner and the, you know, they throw the toy in and the dog's like, oh, I really want to go get that toy, but I'm not (laughs) sure about jumping off of this thing into that water. And then they would look over and be like, there is a ramp right there. How do I, like, they could keep looking back over to the ramp, to the water, back to the ramp. Like, why am I on this side of the partition? It would be so much easier if I could just go down the ramp and get right. my toy. But you could actually see that that 
process. Like gears that, moving in their yeah, brains. That, yeah, that thought process. And one of the things that I said as I was announcing it was, don't ever think that dogs don't have a thought process because they were definitely. And then one dog jumped off the dock over onto the ramp and then went down in and got the toy. <laughs> yeah. He figured the ramp was the easiest it's way, like, no matter what. You guys are like got this backwards. Like, why, you know, why am I on the side of it? So it's fun to watch that kind of thing in addition to the excitement of the dogs who, you know, jump off the dock and, you know, fly. You know, they jump so far and it's really fun to watch that. Some of them even catch the ball in the air as they're jumping. And so that's really exciting. And then it's also really fun to see the new dogs kind of like working it now, through. Do all the spectators uh, get like ponchos like they're at a Gallagher concert? Because I can just <laughs> imagine that all those wet dogs coming out have got to be shaking it like and spreading the uh, the yeah. water for like a 20-mile radius or something with all that shaking. First of all, I appreciate the Gallagher reference. <laughs> Gallagher used to smash big melons off right. the stage. The watermelon and, yeah. smashing comedian. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they don't. The The crowd is sort of off to the side enough, and the dogs don't. The pool is pretty large, so the splash really doesn't get to them. They're not having mm-hmm. to wear ponchos or anything like that. But you know how it, when a dog gets wet and they come out of the water, they yes. shake it off, and that water can fly. And so. they're not anywhere near the crowd when oh, they're okay. co- they're sort of like they're <laughs> they sort of like them. behind the scenes when that happens. I they're kind of out of sight. Yeah, by that Smart. point. Um, and then there was another dog that sometimes they're like, "Why should I come out of the pool?" <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm having so, a good time. In yeah, it. there was one dog that was playing Doggy fetch paddle. with herself, so she'd. She got the bumper, walked just to the up the ramp just enough so that she could stand. And then her human was like, come on, Sophie, Sophie, come on, Sophie. And she was just like, I don't hear you. <laughs> and she would like I got my own thing flip going. the toy back into the water and then like go back in and swim out and get it and then come back and just stay right out of reach. It was so funny. So anyway, you know, the, the Doc Dogs events are so fun. If you can come out and watch... October 4th and 5th, they will be at Issaquah Salmon Days. I'll be, I'll have the pleasure of emceeing for them again. And it's really just a blast to watch, 10 to 6 daily. And this is a great event if you want to try your dog out in Doc Dogs. It's not like tryouts, but if you want to like try your dog and see if they'll do it, um, you can sign up and register your dog if your dog is a first-time jumper and give it a go at Issaquah Salmon Days. So you can just go to the website PugetSoundDocDogs.com, and you can also keep um, tabs on what they're doing on via their Facebook page as well. I think I want to try and take Abby the Beagle to be a spectator for this because that she'll never be too. she'll never be a doc mm-hmm. diving dog. I know that, but maybe I could convince her to get her feet wet because she doesn't even like that. She won't go no. near water. So doc dogs not her thing. No, nope. no, but I figured maybe if okay. she if she's watching dogs having a great time jumping in the water maybe she'll think uh maybe i'll give it a try you know think better you than me right (laughs) probably (laughs) yeah to each his own um so let's see let me see oh other events that i've got coming up so we have uh issaquah salmon days coming up october 4th and 5th and then i'm actually going to be talking about this on a little bit on the show today so you get a little taste um, I'm I am giving a talk on Thursday, October 23rd at the Natural Pet Pantry store in Kirkland, which is an excellent location 
to have an event. We're also going to be having our 300th episode party there, which is coming up in November. I'll talk about that afterwards. Thursday, October 23rd in Kirkland at the Natural Pet Pantry store, I'm giving a talk called The Art of Nonverbal Communication with Your Dog. And this talk is geared specifically towards women who are most of my clients for a number of reasons. And I'll be talking about, you know, what does it mean? We always hear like, what does it mean to be your dog's pack leader? People think I need to be alpha. Well, what does that mean? And does it really apply, Um, especially for women? Because women have different leadership styles, I think, to generalize, Um, you know, kind of talking about the different leadership styles for women, how to use your body to communicate with your dog, and a lot more. So it's going to be an awesome talk. Um, There is no charge for this talk, uh, but you do, we do ask that you RSVP, and there is limited space. So this way you make sure that you have a spot reserved. So to RSVP for this talk, which is Thursday, October 23rd in Kirkland um, at 7 p.m., you can email randy at naturalpetpantry.com, R-A-N-D-I at naturalpetpantry.com, or you can call the Kirkland store and reserve your spot, 425-739-4738. And again, that's Thursday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. in Kirkland at the Natural Pet Pantry store, which is in the same shopping um, area as PCC. The art of nonverbal communication with your dog, talking about what it means to be your dog's pack leader, uh, authentic leadership styles for women, how to use your body to communicate with your dog, and a lot more. So can't wait for that. Again, RSVP Randy, R-A-N-D-I, at naturalpetpantry.com, or call the store 425-739-4738 to reserve your spot. There's no charge, but uh, please do reserve your spot and let us know you're coming. And then in November, about a month later, we are celebrating our 300th episode, which is um, the actual 300th episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes is going to be Wednesday, November 19th. Can't believe it. Um, So that Saturday after the show, we're going to have a big party at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. Um, We're going to have a DJ. We're going to have wine and food and all sorts of great giveaways. Um, It's a really the theme is for me is just fan appreciation and community appreciation. We're going to have a lot of, of course, friends and family and colleagues and clients. And I do hope what would make my 300th episode party would be if a bunch of listeners that I have never met show up and uh, introduce yourself to me, and um, I'd love to meet you and just have you come and host this part, uh, host this party for you, and hopefully you'll win some fabulous prize you can take home to your dog. So that is Saturday, November 22nd at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. So mark your calendar, and I'll be uh, talking about that pretty much every week up until then. So stay tuned for more details. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and um, we have some new partners that I just wanted to um, acknowledge. Of course, we have the Natural Pet Pantry, who's been partnered with us since the beginning, and love their food. Naturalpetpantry.com is their website. They make raw and cooked food for dogs and cats, and it's locally made, and it's made fresh and then frozen. It's really the healthiest thing you can feed your pet, aside from cooking your own 
food. But the problem with when a lot of people do that is that they don't cook a complete and balanced diet. So the natural pet pantry is completely formulated and really easy to feed and super, super, super healthy. So if you're feeding a highly processed food like kibble or something like that, canned food, um, definitely check out Natural Pet Pantry as an option, naturalpetpantry.com. We also have Jet City Animal Clinic, which is a wonderful vet clinic in Seattle, um, close to Seattle U uh, on 12th. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. Dr. Anderson is wonderful and her staff, um, great vet clinic. She's a, a, a regular vet, as they say, um, as opposed to a holistic vet. Um, but she's very open-minded and very familiar with lots of alternative treatments. So she's a great vet to work with um, and is not a vet that's going to try to talk you out of alternative treatments because they do like to do that sometimes. Jet City Animal Clinic and then Pure Air is one of our new partners, and I love this product. We, um, It's the only odor eliminator that we have in our house, and um, it's Pure A-Y-R-E is how it's spelled. The website is pureair.com. And if you use something to, like, pick up, um, you know, poop or pee or, or you know, vomit or any, any of those lovelies that happen with having animals or if you have a litter box or, you know, if your car is kind of dogified and you need to, you know, spray something on there on the fabric to kind of get the odor out, this stuff is amazing. It works so well. It's totally non-toxic. You can actually eat it. And it's super effective, Pure Air, A-Y-R-E, and you can just order it right from the website, pureair.com. So we're going to go to a break. You're going to hear from all of our wonderful partners. And if you're interested in advertising your business on the dog show, um, it could be a local business. It could be a national business. We do have a national and international audience. Um, Get in touch, and we'll see if it's a fit. You can email me, host at dogradioshow.com. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be talking more about how to effectively communicate with your dog and um, balanced leadership styles, um, and really, what does it mean to be alpha, and is that even necessary? We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Hey, dog show fans, does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray pure air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for pure air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit dogradioshow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. 
Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to BioClean, the people that clean up the mess, we cover the world of animals. This week, September 14th, it's a Talk to Your Animal Friends Sunday. That means gifted animal communicator Darcy Parisa will join me in the studio. So do you have questions or something you need to know about your animal friends? We'll have open phone lines throughout the show, so plan to give us a call so Darcy can tune in and get the answers for you from your animals. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. 1150kknw.com, your connection to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. That's like a 80s, like sort of Euro rock song, but it's about dogs. That's <laughs> that's right. It's the Aquabats uh, doing huh. Canis Lupus. Hmm. It's all about dogs. Canis Lupus? Just like the show. So. Why is it called Canis Lupus? Because that's wolves. Canis Familiaris. But uh, are, are, are today's dogs uh, <laughs> <laughs> descendants of the wolves? Uh, that's the most popular theory, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a connection there. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Just interesting that they, you know, because if it was Canis lupus, you'd think they might sing about wolves. But I, I think they're talking about all dogs Canids worldwide. in general? Yeah, in general, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, I, you never uh, cease to amaze me, Eric, and your ability to find all these different dog songs. I mean, I'd be playing "God Loves a Terrier" probably for the last three hundred episodes. So, we we've done that one plenty. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. Okay, of course, the reference from the movie "Best in Show," which I assume, if you're listening to this radio show, you must have seen that movie "Best in Show," and if you haven't, watch it tonight. It's so funny. So, um, I wanted to talk about um, you know, there's so many amazing people out there doing so many awesome things with dogs that I interview lots and lots of people on the show and um, have to kind of remember to speak from my own experience sometimes. So I'm going to talk today about um, a topic that's been something that I've been focusing on and writing about a lot, which is uh, the conversation of how 
working with dogs and people for me over the last 12 plus years has, you know, what that's taught me and sort of the insights that I'm getting about dogs and women and leadership, because most of my clients over the years have been women. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I think women in heterosexual couples are the ones that are more likely to reach out to a professional for help with the dog, whether there's a behavioral challenge or if it's just a new puppy, it kind of falls under family categories. So to generalize, usually that's going to be the woman's role. Um, I also think that um, women might just be more likely to reach out for help with their dog in general and also um, might end up needing help more than men do with their dogs because of how women are raised in this country versus how men are as far as having a large presence, being assertive, being powerful, and all of that kind of thing. Because if you equate masculinity with male and femininity with female, then, um, you know, if you look under all of the words that are synonymous with femininity in our language and in our society, they all would be under the category of weak. Um, so, which I don't buy necessarily, but that's what we're sort of taught. So there's a number of reasons why this conversation is specifically geared towards women, um, and that being one of the big big reasons. But it, it brings up a lot, working with dogs in, in, and people and coaching people how to work with their dog, how to communicate with their dog. Um, speaking the dog's language brings up a lot of opportunity for conversation about a lot of really deep topics like, you know, motivation in general, like societal expectations of women versus men and how that relates to power and leadership. Um, questions that I've started asking and researching and writing about are, well, it's, you know, it doesn't seem like the best recipe for success to try to fit a woman into a leadership role that's not comfortable for her or not authentic for her. So one of the things that's so important, like around, for example, like setting boundaries with your dog, I mean, that's something that is, you know, I hate to focus on boundaries, but that's the place where people have the most trouble and where people ask me the most questions around one of the few topics, I would say, like at the top of a list is, you know, where the, there needs a boundary. The, there's, there's a place where there is a boundary needed and the person doesn't know how to set that boundary with their dog. Um, every dog is different, of course. Uh, every dog is a unique individual. And it's a matter of really learning how to communicate effectively with your dog as an individual because dogs are as different from each other as people are as well. But when we're talking about speaking a dog's language, you know, dogs aren't verbal. So, well, yeah, I know that. But, like, really think about that. Dogs are not verbal. Using words to communicate with your dog doesn't work. It's not speaking their language. They don't get that. Dogs can learn hundreds of words on average. They can learn what words mean, but that's not their language. So for wanting to communicate and educate a dog about this or that, the most effective way to do that is going to be is going to speak their language so that there's they're not trying to figure out what the heck you mean. So, well, okay, well, what does that mean? How do we communicate with dogs? Um, I've talked about this before on the show. Dogs use their bodies. 
they use their energy, the quality of energy that they generate, or you could call that presence, how they direct their energy. They communicate a lot with muscle tension, um, body language. I mean, that's like a term that's so, so people are very familiar with that. People have heard body language. Oh, yeah, I know what body language is. But we're not really that present to body language. We're so in our heads. Talk, 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 technology, fast, 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 fast. And we, uh, the way that our culture is in America anyway, is that we are not trained and practiced in uh, being present, first of all. Slow down. Be present. Tune into your dog. If dogs don't speak words, how do you listen to them? What does that mean? Well, listening is not necessarily going to be with your ears. They're vocal, but they're not verbal. So tuning in in other ways, tuning into how you feel, tuning into, you know, what are you reading about your dog, looking at your dog's body, their muscle tension, how they're moving, and really getting to know your dog as an individual, but also, um, and this is a place where people are really challenged, because like if someone has a dog and they've never had a dog before, they're not necessarily gonna know oh well oh that's a different kind of bark than this other kind of bark that is really means more that the dog is not happy that's more of a bark that says something else And we were talking about this last week a little bit with Eric's question about barking and so you know there's a lot to it but it's so it's not verbal it's so it brings up a lot of opportunity as I've been coaching people mostly women over the last 12 years how to communicate with their dogs. It's not something to take for granted to just tell a woman to be a bigger presence. So I'll give you an example. So teaching a dog to wait at the door. So how I do it. And wait is just asking the dog not to cross through the doorway. So it's just like, don't cross the line, basically. But we're in a doorway, so it's actually framed. There's often a change in flooring. So the boundary, the the visual boundary is very clear for the dog. So you walk the dog up to the doorway, you're standing with the dog, you tell the dog to wait, and then you step in front of the dog and face the dog so that you are on the other side, just on the other side of the doorway, and your dog is still inside. And then you just say, good wait, good wait, as you're standing in the doorway and occupying the doorway facing the dog. The dog's like, well, I don't really know what you're saying, but okay, good wait, good wait, good wait. And then if the dog's not trying to get through the doorway, then you might take a step back. And a lot of times what will happen, and again, we're teaching the dog how to wait at the door. They don't know it yet. When you take a step back, the dog goes to walk through the doorway with you. And then you have to communicate to the dog, no, you need to wait on the other side of the doorway until I ask you to come through. Well, how do you communicate to the dog that walking through the doorway is the wrong choice in a way that the dog, as a dog, is going to understand. Uh, and it's this one is like so simple. You just use your body. You don't even have to use the leash. I recommend you have the dog on a leash if you're going like from inside to outside just as a safety. So just hold the end of the leash, but you don't even have to use it. So if as you start to take a step back, the dog steps forward. And then as soon as they cross that line, you just step into the dog. No. And tell them no. And push them back with your body, not with your hands. 
a lot of times dogs, if, especially if they're sensitive to body movement, you're not even going to make contact with them. They're going to they're going to see and feel you step into them and they're just going to back up with the word no, no, wait. And then immediately again, good wait, good wait, good wait, good wait, good wait. Take a step back again. If the dog steps through, no, step up into the dog, wait. Good wait, good wait, good wait. After a few times, the dog's like, okay, I get it. You like, I don't step through the doorway. Good wait, good wait. And then, okay, let's go turn and walk the dog through. Well, you do that a few times, a few repetitions of that session, and the dog is going to understand pretty well, at least with no distractions, how to wait at the door. It's pretty straightforward. There's no translation when you use your body like that with dogs. That's an example I've worked, I have taught thousands of dogs, literally, over the years, how to wait at the door, and it's easy. You don't have to use a leash. You don't have to give a leash and collar correction. You don't have to do anything other than use your body. Now, how much you need to use your body is going to depend on the dog. Some dogs are very polite and very sensitive to body movement, and they might step, you know, gingerly step over the line and then you tell them no and you even lean into them and they're going to back up. I'm sorry, I won't ever do that again. That's a particularly sensitive dog. So you're not going to have to do much to establish yourself. And then the other end of the spectrum is going to be the dog that's like out of my way and just trying to blow past you. And in that case, you're going to have to have a, a stronger presence just to get the dog's attention. Or maybe the dog's not that sensitive to you moving into them like that. So you, maybe you're going to need to shuffle your feet, stomp your feet a little bit and move into them and bump them off of your leg in order for them to even notice that you're communicating with them. Again, every dog is different. But so the, the variation is going to depend on the dog you're working with and their individual sensitivity level. But the fundamentals are there and it's very straightforward. Well, that's... Great, but what happens when you have a dog that's particularly pushy and not sensitive to body language, and you have a woman who is not a very strong presence and not used to asserting herself anywhere in life or in many places in life? Because I have worked with a lot of these combinations. And so one of the things about working with dogs and people that's interesting is the particular combination of human and dog. Because every dog is different, every person is different, and sometimes the the dogs really challenge their humans to really learn how to be this way or that. Sometimes the human needs to learn how to soften themselves because the dog is super sensitive and that person has a very strong presence, and other times it's the flip side. Well, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, in my reflection, you know, reflecting on this and, you know, having these conversations over and over and over and over and over again, is that sometimes women are not necessarily comfortable with or just not familiar with using their bodies in that way and setting a boundary physically, occupying space. So how you stand in the doorway. So this is where we get into the nonverbal communication. The One of the one of the fundamentals of this exercise as an example, and I can apply this to so many different things, not, you know, outside of just waiting at the door, but this is a great example of this, is you can move your body into a dog and step towards a dog, and they may or may not step back depending on the dog, but and also depending on how you're doing it. 
are you doing it where you're sort of like, are you doing it shyly? Because if you're doing it sort of with, and okay, well, what does that mean? How do you, how do you give shy body language? Your shoulders, your, your, you know, you might not make eye contact. Your shoulders might be slumped a little bit. You might be sucking in your abdomen a little bit. Um, you're not projecting your energy forward and out. It's just, you're sort of, you're sort of shrunken in. What are those, um, is it a hedgehog? Where they like flip into a ball and they all the all the outer... armadillo is that what you're thinking of? No, well, I think they do it too. Yeah, which reminds me of this video of an armadillo playing with a toy. That was the, one like one of the cutest <laughs> things I've ever seen on Facebook. Anyway, but I think there's like a a, a prickly. I think it's porcupine. Maybe, no, I think it's a hedgehog. Hedgehog. Okay. Where they like they like suck in and all that's they're like a ball of prickles and they you know are are protecting their vulnerable part well if you have a dog especially that's particularly bullheaded and wanting to just blow past you and not convinced that they need to wait at the door i think you're right about hedgehog hedgehog, yeah. yeah then you need to just occupy the space in a way so that the dog is going to pay attention to you so here's the coaching that i often give people put your shoulders back um, don't bend over. So stand up straight, put your shoulders back and imagine um, pushing out, like um, projecting your energy out from your hips, um, stomping your feet a little bit. So shuffling your feet that creates sound and also kind of kicks up some energy on the ground that helps to get dog's attention moving into the dog and also, you know, eye contact, your tone. So it's a, you know, body language is one thing, but, you know, body language isn't the, the deepest level of the conversation. I think beneath that, it's really, you know, well, how do you feel? Are you like, I'm in, you know, don't cross through the boundary. And then the dog is either going to take you seriously or not. You don't have to be a jerk about it. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that you need to try to be someone that you're not. But it's the, I think the, the particular challenge is getting people, women, to... Uh, connect to that they are setting a boundary and that they're asserting themselves and to get them to authentically connect to themselves in that way. And then when they do, whatever the style is, is going to be genuine and the dog is going to know that they are being present and are connected with whatever it is, the, the request that they're making of the dog. I mean, it's amazing to see how the dogs respond when you put all those little pieces together and make those adjustments. It's like night and day. The dog completely ignores you with the one way, and then when you make those adjustments, they're like, oh, okay, I'll pay attention to you because you are being present, you're grounded, you're holding yourself in a way that's letting me know that you mean what you say. And again, it's not about being a jerk. It's not about making the dog afraid of you or being a bully. It's just about generating yourself in a powerful way, which brings up a lot more conversation like women's relationship with their bodies, which is not something I'm going to get into on today's show. That's probably a whole nother show outside of the dog show. <laughs> um, that's a that's a whopper of a um, topic, though. You know, how much are we, and not just women, I mean men too, you know, how much are we really connected to our bodies and really present in our bodies? And we're also not used to using our bodies to communicate especially not setting boundaries because we as a culture within, you know, human to human 
are discouraged appropriately to not, you know, you know, what do we tell kids? Use your words. Use your words. You know, don't hit the kid in the sandbox for stealing your shovel. Tell, you know, you, you use your words, but dogs aren't verbal. So we can we can set boundaries and correct dogs physically without it being anywhere in the realm of abuse. And I think that's one of the collapses that has happened in the dog training industry because there's a lot of trainers and professionals in the industry that are not comfortable with any form of correction. And that's just not nature. And it's not dogs. Dogs correct each other. So it's not a big deal. It's just knowing how to do it and doing it in a way that's fair and appropriate um, for what the dog is up to. And it's not about being abusive or being, you know, dominant or alpha or whatever. It's just you sometimes give a consequence. That's it. And sometimes the correction is just using your body. Step into the dog. Um, not step on the dog. Step into the dog. Shuffle your feet. Um, push them out with your hips. Put your shoulders back. Like, occupy that space. So, so much of that is the powerful presence. So I said that there's, you know, it's not a conversation to take for granted because, you know, women are not trained to be a large presence in the room, um, to be loud, to be, um, you know, big energy. It's not in our culture. It's not feminine. It's not ladylike. And, you know, it really creates an imbalance. And then on the other side, you know, men are told that they're to generalize, you know, not to cry and not to show emotion and not to express those more feminine qualities. And they, that also robs them as well. And, you know, it's all about balance. My training philosophy is is so much about balance. And I think balance is such an important word. And also knowing who you're working with, both who's this person, um, what is this person, you know, if you take away all of the conditioning and all the insecurities and all that kind of stuff, what's this person about? You know, are they a stronger presence or not? Because some people just aren't, and that's okay too. So then how do we need to adjust what we do with training to help this person who might not have a big, strong presence to set boundaries with their dog, especially if the dog has a big, strong presence? That's probably one of the hardest combinations is when just genuinely the dog has a larger presence and more confidence than the human. Um, so I said it brings up a lot of um, opportunity for conversation about a lot of things. One of those things is motivation. And, you know, talking about the dog training industry in general, there's a lot of different ideas and philosophies about motivation, and there's not one right answer for sure. Every dog's an individual. That was one of the things that I appreciated so much about my conversation with um, Helen Cariotis, who's the president of NADOI, National Association of Dog Obedience Instructors. I talked with her last week. Um, you can find that in all of our episodes archived on iTunes, on our website, dogradioshow.com. And I also post them all to our Facebook page as well, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Um, you know, there's so many different training tools and styles, and it's really about finding that magic combination for each dog-human um, partnership. Um, but really, like, Fundamentally, it brings up a, an interesting conversation about motivation. Um, how do we motivate a dog to work for you, to do what you're asking them to do? And this is something that I've been doing a lot of research about recently, about um, kind of looking into, like, if, if you look at, like, corporations, to generalize, 
in this country, corporations, the government, you know, the, the large institutions that built this country were built by men. They're, you could say, sort of um, masculine models of of leadership and sort of the old. And we are definitely working away from this even now. There's a lot of corporations and, um, you know, large corporations even that that don't necessarily do this, but these are generalizations. So if you look at like the old top-down leadership model of like, I'm on top, I'm the boss, you are beneath me, and then you are beneath him, and then you are beneath her, and everybody knows their place, and it's like a ladder. There's one person at each spot or something like that, or there's certainly one person at the very top. And the focus is on, like, maintaining that top position, and in order to do so, everybody else is beneath you. Well, then that can be enforced in a number of different ways. But one of the books that I've read recently, which is actually an old book, it talked about a different sort of um, visualization for that instead of, like, a ladder, like the corporate ladder, Um. The, she was interviewing, I think it was the C, the founder or CEO or something like that of Girl Scouts of America, and she had talked about this um, um, image of a web, a spider web, and that this might be a more uh, feminine style of leadership where the one in like sort of the top dog, so to speak, pun intended, um, is actually in the middle of the web and all of the support around that person is around that person sort of going out in these circles that are all connected with these, you know, the whole thing about the web is that it's all connected and that the, that style of leadership is really about, you know, I'm in the center. I'm clearly the one in charge. I'm the leader, but I'm also going to work to empower everyone around me to be the best version of themselves. And one of the things that I tell people a lot when they're working with their dog is, you know, we're going to, especially if a dog that's, if it's a dog that's, you know, kind of been through some hard times or has, you know, been passed around, you know, in rescue groups or rehomed or had some sort of trauma or something like that and has some stuff in the way for them is, um, or it's just kind of a tough individual, but, you know, really recognizing we're going to work to have this dog be the best version of him or herself that they can be, you know, not this dog will, will potentially never be, you know, a therapy dog and going to children's hospitals and visiting kids or nursing homes. But how, you know, what is the best version of this dog as an individual? And I think that that's just fundamentally as far as motivation goes, because the conversation in the dog world is a lot about like dominance, Okay, I've talked about that on the show. Definitely look up if you want to talk, uh, if you want to listen to those conversations. Patricia McConnell, I interviewed her for the first time this summer. Uh, I think it was in June. And it was one of my favorite conversations. I've had so many, but um, that I've just adored. But this one was awesome. We talked about dominance. And then I also talked with Mark Beckoff last summer. So that would be the summer of 2013. And he um, is a brilliant uh, scientist as well, and he's done a lot of work on animals and emotions, and we talked about dominance or the D word as well. So check that out if you want to get into a little more depth about what dominance is actually. Um, 
Patricia McConnell really put it very well. That was a great conversation. And um, of course, you can find that on iTunes as a free podcast or on our website, dogradioshow.com. Just go to the podcast page and scroll down until you find it. Um, So lots of easy ways to listen. Anyway, so there's all this like, you know, dominance and alpha and I know I'm supposed to be alpha and, you know, and it's like people have these ideas of what that means and the association, for sure, of the word dominance is not a positive association. And I wouldn't say alpha is either. It's kind of like, oh, okay, here comes the big scary whoever. Oh, okay, you're dominant over me. You're using force to, or you're, you know, keeping me down. Or It's not a positive association. It's not something people generally want to sign up for. And the alternative to dominant, if you're not dominant, is submissive. And that definitely doesn't have a positive association either, especially in this the light of this conversation. Um, for women in general, you know, a lot of the fight of women and feminism over the years, over the decades, has been like not taking a submissive role in society. But it's about balance. So it's not about one having power over the other. And when we talk about motivating your dog, you know, I always want the dog to feel good about the work that they're doing. Um, I always want to, when if the dog, do, you know, lays down for me, I'm going to talk to that dog like that is the coolest thing I've seen all day. Oh, my gosh, you are brilliant. What a good down, good down. And they just eat it up, soak it up. They respond so well to that. Letting them know how genuinely you appreciate the work that they're doing. (gasps) How amazing they are for doing that work. And maybe they get a treat. Also, um, not all the time, but, you know, I use treats in training. It's fine. It's not a bribe, though. Um, So it's kind of a balance of like, okay, I'm going to ask you to lay down. And I know that you know what it means. And so I'm going to get it. And so if the dog doesn't lay down, then you just stay in it with them until you get them to do it. But you don't force them into it, like physically. If they understand what it means and you've already taught them to it, there's no reason to force them into it. So, again, what did I say? Like, I keep coming back to this. This this conversation brings up a lot of opportunity about a lot of other kind of deep topics. Um, power versus force. That's a doozy. Um, Certainly something that this culture could um, learn a little bit about. But, you know, true power is without force. So if I'm, you know, that powerful or if I am that good at what I do, you know, why would I need to use force to get a dog to lay down for me? And if the dog just so badly doesn't want to work, some breeds just don't really like obedience like, I'll get them to do it, but then maybe it's just not their deal. You know, there's other other ways that you can make sure that they, they listen to you and do what you ask. But, you you know, you kind of got to know who you're working with, too. Um, so so it doesn't mean that you're that you're if you're not using force, it doesn't mean that you're being a total pushover. It just means that you're not using force, but you can still have a strong presence established with the dog. Listen, you need to do what I ask you to do. And I'm not going to go away until you do it. But I'm not going to force you into it. It's just kind of having respect for the animal that you're working with. So there's just a lot there. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And my talk in October 
at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland, Thursday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. It's a free talk, and you can participate with a fabulous community and um, listen to me talk more about this kind of thing and also give some more information about how to work with your dog, and I'll also be available to answer questions that you might have, specific questions that you have about your dog or just about dogs in general. Um, There's a lot there, obviously. There is a lot of history there when we're talking about being assertive and being powerful, and we're having that conversation with women. I don't care if it's with other people or with dogs or with whatever. There's just a lot to acknowledge and to be sensitive to. Um, It's not something to take for granted. And um, it's a really great opportunity to bring up a lot of this, you know, learning how to communicate with dogs effectively using nonverbal communication is like the perfect sort of context to bring up all of these great points. Um, So Thursday, October 23rd, Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland, 7 p.m. This talk is free, but we do ask that you RSVP and let us know that you're coming because space is limited. Randy at naturalpetpantry.com. You can email her, and that's Randy, R-A-N-D-I, at naturalpetpantry.com. Let her know you want to come to my talk, The Art of Nonverbal Communication with Your Dog. Or you can call 425-739-4738. That's 425-739-4738. You can just call the store and RSVP that way and just tell them you want to come to my talk Thursday, October 23rd. And I hope to see you there. Because I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, the 300th, 300th episode party, Saturday, November 22nd at Natural Pet Pantry as well. Mark your calendar. More details to come on that. Saturday, November 22nd. If you're listening to the show, you are invited. And I hope you do come. So uh, let's take a break. And uh, we'll be back with just uh, some closing thoughts. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. Body language. Body language. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Remember, you're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we just have a few minutes left today. 
uh, wrapping up a very juicy conversation about the work that I do and coaching people to work with their dogs and especially women and what all is involved with that. So if you missed any part of that conversation, you can find it archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, or on iTunes as a free audio podcast. You can download any of our almost 300 episodes now um, through iTunes. And then I'm also posting the new episodes on directly onto our Facebook page, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And you can just press play from the post and it just plays automatically through there as well. That's through SoundCloud. Um, and you could also go to SoundCloud if you want to find them archived there as well. Lots of ways to listen. I've been seeing a lot of dog show stickers on cars recently around Seattle, and I, I've sent them out to other parts of the country and even the world now. So if you would like a dog show car sticker to put on your car, uh, just send me an email with your mailing address and let me know how many you want. If you just want one or two, that's great. If you have a dog-friendly business and you'd like to have a display and a bunch of stickers to give out to your clients or customers, I'd be happy to send you that out too. Um, so just email me, host at dogradioshow.com, and I'm happy to send you out as many stickers as you want. And then also, if you're interested in advertising your company or business, um, if you think it's a good fit for our very high standards here on the dog show, um, give me an, send me an email, and I'll send you our media kit, and you can learn more about how to reach our incredibly intelligent audience of dog lovers. Uh, we've been on the air for over five years, and we are approaching our 300th episode. The party is... Saturday, November 22nd, you're invited if you're listening to the show. It is fan appreciation theme. I'm going to have a bunch of friends and family there, clients, my training clients, colleagues, um, other people from, you know, professionals in the local industry and um, guests, uh, um, past guests on the show, and then, of course, fans. So if you're listening to the show, you are invited. And I do hope that you mark your calendar and come. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a DJ. We're going to have food and wine, tons of giveaways and prizes and treats and all sorts of stuff to take home. Milk bones or <laughs> chew toys? Will we have those? Eric, <laughs> don't say that word on this show. No, we will not have milk bones there. Okay, good. You're funny, Eric. Keeping me on my toes. Um, we'll be having lots of healthy treats. Excellent. Yes, and food and all that kind of stuff. So definitely come by for that. And um, be sure to come to Issaquah Salmon Days, October 4th and 5th in Issaquah, Washington. Salmondays.org is the website. 10 to 6 daily, I'm going to be emceeing for Puget Sound Dock Dogs. Such a blast to watch if you're interested in trying your dog out at Dock Dogs, if you think your dog would love jumping off of a dock into a pool of water. Check it out. PugetSoundDocDogs.com is their, their website. And I, uh, I think I'll be back next week, Eric, Wednesday live at 2 p.m. for another episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Sounds good to me. All right. Have a great week.